Welcome to the Circle 31 Podcast. I am your host, Ayanna Robinson-Dixon. And on today's episode, I'll be speaking with Dr. Judy Littlejohn. Dr. Judy is an author, teacher, preacher, evangelist, ordained minister, and associate pastor at Jubilee Christian Church in Boston, Massachusetts. Now here is my interview with Dr. Judy Littlejohn. Dr. Judy, thank you so much for joining us today on the Circle 31 podcast. You're very welcome, and I'm so thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Can you please introduce yourself to the audience and uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. So uh, my name is Dr. Judy A. Littlejohn. I am a minister of the gospel. I was called to ministry of teaching and preaching in 19... 96. I got saved in 1980. And, um, you know, the journey has been, has not been a bed of roses, but I'm still here, but by the grace of God. So, you know, I was 16 years old when I got saved. And and back then, many people said, she's not going to last. She's not going to last. And here I am still saved, but by the grace of God. So I'm very excited about that. I'm also an author. Uh, I published um, my first devotional last year in 2020 in the year of pandemic um, called Reset with God. And I just also published in March my book, Mantle Anointing, you know, both of which are available on Amazon. So I thank God. um, That's like my sixth book and I have more to come. So I thank God for what he's doing in my life. I'm, I'm truly grateful. I'm truly blessed. But I know also that if it had not been for the goodness of the Lord on my side, I don't know where I would be. My goodness, Dr. Judy. Mm-hmm. Listen, I, we want to know um, just a little bit about your, maybe your childhood, how you grew up, where you're from originally. Yes. So I was born in Jamaica, West Indies, and I migrated to the United States at the age of five, actually going on six. My parents were already here. And, um, you know, they, of course, wanted a better life for their children. So here we came to the States. I went to school in Boston, in Massachusetts, and I still live in Massachusetts. And um, I've been blessed to, you know, get saved and be a part of a ministry in Boston, Massachusetts, back in, uh, as I said, well, in 1980. And, um, you know, I still refer to myself as just a true, true Jamaican woman, because I love, I love my country. I love the culture. You know, I love, I've never forgotten where I've come from. I came from very humble beginnings. My parents didn't have, you know, much, and that was one of the reasons they migrated to the States to get a better life. And um, I'm very fortunate and blessed that I was able to have a better life coming here to go to school. I've been to seminary. I definitely have college experience, um, but ministry was the passion of my heart. So I geared more towards seminary and earned uh, two doctoral degrees in, gee, I think it was 19, maybe 2006. Wow. And uh, one is in pastoral counseling and the other one is in ministry. Mm-hmm. So I've been very, very blessed. Uh, the Lord has been on my side. You know, I've definitely had my, my areas of struggle and uh, things that I had to overcome, you know, just because I'm saved doesn't mean it was a bed of roses. I'm actually divorced. Um, This is my 17th year being divorced. I was married for 15 years uh, previously, and God has seen fit at the time when I thought, you know, I had become content with just being single, although I wanted to be married again. But, uh, you know, I didn't know, you know, you, there's no guarantee really of what's going to happen, but it was my prayer that I would have another opportunity at marriage and God has saw fit to um, give me uh, another chance. 
when I least expected it. And it's a God, he's a godly man. His name is Joe. He's in the same church that I'm in. He's a leader. He's a businessman, a business owner. Um, And God is just great. And it's so amazing that I can look back on my life. My first time around, I was 25 years old. I was young, you know, and um, now I'm 57 and much more wise and, and, and all of that. And God is so great because I can look at the first time versus now and things that I didn't set in place the first time around versus things that are set in place now. The right foundation has been laid now that wasn't there the first time around. And all these things make such a difference in going into a marriage that you set yourself up for a, for a life forever with your spouse. Dr. Judy, you have to talk about that. Talk about yes. setting the foundation. Talk about your first the foundation the first time. Yes. Now help us. I sure will. So the first time around, as I said, I was 25 years old and it, it almost happened kind of without any thought, to be honest. You know, uh, the young man at the time, we were in the same church. You know, neither of us ever imagined that the two of us would become a pair, but sort of out of nowhere, it happened. And, you know, I've heard this expression be said before, and I don't recall where I heard it from, but there's a lot of truth to it. And it says that not every relationship is meant for marriage. Mm -hmm. And in hindsight, when I look back now, I could say that that was the case for me then, but I didn't have the wisdom then that I have now. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, we got married and, you know, actually we had a very good marriage considering that we were young, we were so young and we, you know, 15 years of it, but Somewhere around the 10th year, things began to go down, go south for our marriage. And I started to question myself as to, you know, what was my contribution? What was I not doing as a wife? You know, I, I prided myself on being a woman that was supportive to her husband because he was in ministry and I, I supported that. I actually pushed him forward. I can look back now and say that I really lost my own identity by pushing pushing him forward and kind of forgetting about myself and not putting anything into me. And um, I did all of that. But, you know, when a person begins to kind of stray away from God, when you stray away from God spiritually, you open the door for anything to happen. Mm. And that was, that was the case with our marriage was that, um, and, and this is not about me, you know, black, bad mouthing, um, that individual or anything like that, but to be transparent, what happened was infidelity on his part. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I, I saw it coming, you know, and I saw who it was coming with. And I, I warned him and all of that, because I always believed that, the part of ministry that he was in, he would have opportunities to teach other people, whether it was like in a group setting or one-on-one individual setting. And when I noticed that he was moving to a one-on-one with this female, and I started to warn warn him that, you know, this is not good. Number one, it doesn't look good. Mm -hmm. Um, Number two, you set yourself up to be tempted. You know, we're human. We might be saved, but we're human. And he just didn't take heed to any of that. And sure enough, that just led to infidelity. And that continued five years. The the last five years of our marriage was that way. And um, regardless of all of my trying to get our marriage together, saying, let's go get some counseling, whatever, asking him questions, what did I do wrong? What where did I lack, you know, was it something I didn't do or something that I did? Um, I had that conscience all the time, like, you know, where did I mess up? And over and over again, I got the response from him. It's not you, it's me. But yet and still, I felt, I found myself blaming myself because I thought 
I must have not done something or I must have done something. And um, anyway, we ended up in divorce. And uh, I, when I really realized that I had not set myself up in a good place in that marriage was after the divorce because I found myself feeling lost. I found myself just feeling lost. Like I had, I had lost definitely when you go through a divorce, it's like a death. You mm. grieve, you know, and everyone grieves differently. And the length of time by which people grieve differs depending on who you are and how you can handle those types of situations. But I felt lost in life in general. Hmm. And, um, and that was because, again, I had put so much attention into him, so much support into his ministry, so much of pushing him forward. What I can look back and see now, I had friends that I didn't continue to cultivate our relationship as friends. I think in every marriage, it's healthy for the husband and wife to maintain their friendships of the same sex as they are, unless you have a couple, you know, another couple that you're close to and you can do things together as couples. Mm -hmm. And so, but I did not maintain my friendships and um, that was not healthy. Mm -hmm. That was not healthy. And I think that sometimes one of the things that he said to me behind his first statement to me was, I don't love you anymore. The second statement was, we don't always have to be together. Mm. And both of them devastated me. But now when I look back at it, I realize that, you know, when you're married, you need to give, give each other space to breathe. Yeah. That's not a license for either spouse to go sin, go hang out with the wrong person or any, but it is important that you, the wife, have some girlfriends it doesn't have to be a lot. It could be one or two women that are believers that are walking the talk that you're comfortable with, that you can be transparent with. You all can go out and hang out. You don't have to talk, even talk about your marriage, but you can have a friendship with your girlfriends. And it's the same with the husband. He can have some brothers that he's close to and they can go out. And when you come back together, you come back uh, more refreshed, you come back more happy to see each other because there are different parts of us that need to be fed. And, and I will say this, that your spouse is not going to be able to meet your every single need. Mm. There are other people that God will put in your life. Again, this is appropriate. I'm talking about appropriateness. I'm not talking anything funny or shady here. But there are other people that God will bring across your path to help develop you and help to shape you into the woman that you need to be. And we have to be wise. You know, the Bible says in the multitude of uh, counselors, there's wisdom, there's safety. And we have to be wise enough to receive that and not, not be so insecure to think that we have to be hovering around our spouse all the time or that or that he's gonna be able to provide every single thing that we need, you know? And that's a huge difference to the first time around for me versus now. Wow, that is such a good point, Dr. Judy. And I wanted to ask, you're talking about, you know, um, going from someone who was single with friends mm -hmm. to being married mm -hmm. and, you know, maintaining your friends. How important is it to, um, pay attention to where those friends are as a married person. Do you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? And not just as a yes. married person, but as a married person, and for those who are in ministry or those mm -hmm. who, are, who are doing other things, mm -hmm. how important is it to have certain kind of friends in that season of your life? It's very important. Um, you know, the scripture says that we should not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And I want to say, though, that even in the church, that you can be unequally yoked because not everyone, not everyone uh, is a believer or a Christian with the same level of devotion or commitment that you have. So it's important that even as a wife, uh, when you're 
you're spending time with um, other women who may be married themselves or maybe they're single friends that you have, you have to be on the same accord. You really do. You have to be in friendships that are going to be wholesome. You have to be in friendships where you're, you're not going to be um, stripped every time you're in that relationship, something is being taken away from you. You have to be in relationships that will add something to your life as well as you're adding something to their life. Mm-hmm. And also in relationships where you have friends that can, can constructively give you criticism and, and say, hey, you know, um, this is how you are. If you're, if you're able to share with them in confidence, if you're having any kind of issue in your marriage, I don't say that you share with any and everybody. I say that you be led by the spirit mm-hmm. about who you share with, whether it's you know a girlfriend or whether you and your husband um, are connected with another husband and wife. You be led by the spirit about who you share intimately with. But you have to at least have uh, women in your lives that can speak into you that are spirit led themselves. And even if you don't share certain information because they are spirit led, they can tap into what's going on in you because they're invested in you. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I want to ask you this, Dr. Judy. You mentioned your first marriage that you lost yourself. Mm-hmm. Was, it, was it something that you knowingly gave away, like you knowingly said, okay, I'm just going to lose myself in this marriage? Or was it something that was happening without you realizing it? It was something that was happening without me realizing. Uh, but I, I recognize, you know, in hindsight that the reason it happened was because I was so intent on supporting him and making sure that, that he was, you know, all that he could be. And in the process, you lose you lose your own identity. Mm-hmm. You know, in the process, you find yourself because you start to lose your own identity. That means the more dependent you become on your spouse. Yes. And so, what happens when you no longer have that spouse, whether it's through a divorce or um, a death or whatever the case may be, is that you kind of find yourself not knowing exactly how you're going to move on with your life as now being a single person. Mm. Where do you start? You kind of feel, you could feel a little isolated, like you're all alone. And this is also why I'm saying it's important to, to keep your friends, as long as they're good, godly friends, keep them in your life, take time to spend with them, to call them up, to conversate, to have a girl's you know, day out or whatever, go to the spa, whatever it is that you like to do, because um, they're, you may need them. Mm. You may need them for some reason in your life. Um, even if you never go through a divorce, even if you have a wonderful marriage, you just need more than your husband. And I'm only, I've only learned that, you know, after coming out of that divorce, but it has made me a better person. Dr. Judy, how did you begin to reclaim yourself um, after you realized what happened? Mm -hmm. So, you know, coming out of the divorce, I mean, I had to start over from scratch. Mm. You know, we had a home and um, I I won't go into what happened with that, but he ended up being able to stay in the home and I was the one that had to move and start over. So I got, I was, God bless me to get a home for myself and I just had to really start to 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 get my my finances more in order um, for myself so that I could really support myself because it's very different when you come from a two income household and then now you only have that one income you feel it you really do feel it so I had a good job then but I still had to get myself in shape financially I had to spiritually um, really get before the father for his help and his guidance, because now I recognize, you know what? I can't even do this without you. Like I can't move forward without you. I need you, Lord. 
what next for me was kind of the question, what next? And it wasn't, I wasn't looking to jump into another relationship. I'm a firm believer that if, you're, if you've come out of a divorce, you need time to heal. You need, and when I say you need time, I'm not just talking about a year. And this is, you know, this is me, you can take it or leave it. But I think that a good two, three years is, you need that. You really need to heal. You really need to deal whatever with whatever issues you may have brought into the marriage that created the divorce or whatever. For me, it just ended up being 17 years divorce. That was never my intention. I prayed, you know, I made lists um, for what I was looking for in, in the next husband and all that. And it ended up being 17 years, but I can truly say now for the man that God has brought into my life, it was truly worth the wait. But I had to pick myself up. I had to start to figure out how was I going to have a social life? You know, how, what am I going to do now? And, and it's hard when you kind of put people to the side for a long time, you know, and then now you really need them. Well, how do you, how do you go to them now and say, I need you or invite them to be a part of your life when through that 15 years of marriage, um, you know, you'd see them on the outside, you'd see them at church, you'd greet them well, all of that, but you didn't take the time to really do one-on-one -on -one things with them. So how do you do this now? Fortunately for me, I have, you know, just a handful of really great friends, good friends that are mature enough to have stayed in my life throughout the whole time, um, throughout the divorce, throughout, you know, trying to bounce back throughout now, trying to do life as a single woman now, when I was married for so long. It takes, I had to transition my mindset. I had to start to think differently. Mm. But the biggest thing about it is your self-esteem. Talk about that, Dr. Judy. What do you do with your self-esteem? Because, you know, coming out of that marriage initially, as I said, I had been searching myself, like, what did I do wrong? And even though he had said to me, it's not you, it's me, I still felt like I must have done something you know? And so it was like, Lord, I've done all that I knew how to do as a wife, you know, according to your word and according to um, the mothers of the church, their teachings, observing them and all of that. I did everything that I, I felt I needed to do as a wife. So Lord, it's kind of like, what's wrong with me? Mm. That's a self-esteem issue. Mm. What's wrong with me? You know, will I ever get another husband? Will, you know, and so I had to really start seeing myself the way that God sees me. And that wasn't necessarily an easy thing to do because, you know, it, it was a fight. It was like day in and day out, I had to be intent on seeing myself the way that God sees me and finally getting to the place where I knew absolutely nothing was wrong with me. Mm. This was just an experience, not a good experience, an experience that I had to go through. However, I'm not blameless in it because as I said, the way that it happened to begin with was kind of thoughtless. So I had to take responsibility in that. You know, mm -hmm. if it wasn't done that way, perhaps I would have I would have avoided that situation altogether. But, you know, so there was a lot of learning, a lot of lessons, lessons that I learned from it, um, learning to accept myself. And as time went on, not, not a long time went on, but like in the first year of the divorce, what really kind of settled me was when my ex at the time uh, you know, because he knew my number. So he would call up and everything. And I remember one time he asked if I would ever marry him again. And I said, no. And he said, why not? And I said, I could never trust you. Mm. You know, because infidelity is a serious thing. Once you lose trust, and I, God bless the women 
who have gone through that experience and who have been able to stay in the marriage. I wasn't one of them. Um, you know, I made the decision and I knew that the word of God made provision yeah. for an out for that particular reason. So I made the decision after five years of it to, I, I'm not doing this, you know, because when a person doesn't want to change, they don't want any help, you're offering them everything and everything is no, 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 then you know for sure they don't want to change. But so, Judy, I think you just said something mm -hmm. very important because what you said was because you forgave him, mm -hmm. you know, but mm -hmm. you let him, you communicated that I, I don't trust you. And I think yes. sometimes people think that trust is synonymous with forgiveness. No. Can you talk about that just a little? Yes. Trust is definitely not synonymous with forgiveness. You have to be, I'm a realistic person. And, you know, there are things that happens that breaches trust or breaks trust. And you have to know yourself as a, as a woman, you have to know um, what you can take and what you can't take. And God is not asking us to put ourselves back in situations of where trust was broken to begin with, um, because that can be damaging to you. That can destroy you. And so, you know, I knew for myself that there was no way if that was a, a, a way of him asking me, would you marry me again? I knew that there was no way that that could happen because I would only put myself in a position where I would be, I would not be settled in my spirit because when he's away from me, I'd be wondering where he's at, who he's, you know, it just, and I knew that that would not be what God wanted for my life. And so again, for the women and the wives that have gone through this, that are married and you, your spouse has been unfaithful or whatever, and you chose to stay in it, God bless you. That takes a lot of strength. It takes a lot of strength. It takes a lot of prayer. It takes a lot of forgiveness. Um, and the thing about that is if you choose to stay in that, then that removes from you the right to um, hold that over his head. Mm. As long as he has changed and he's doing, you know, and, and making improvement and all of that, that, that it, it removes from you the right to, to dangle that in front of him. And so that's the thing to think about. Can you live with yourself? Can you live with that? Is that going to disturb your inner peace? Can you ever trust him, you know? And so anyway, um, I was able to forgive him. And the way that I knew that I had really forgiven him was that I could think about what had happened and there was no more pain with it. Mm. And also he and I were able to talk and it even, it, believe it or not, it even got to the point. Um, my mom was living with me at the time. She's still living. She still lives with me. She's older. She's 84 now. Mm. And uh, it got to the point where he even came by the house a couple times and we offered him dinner and all of that. Mm -hmm. So, I was able to forgive him to that degree. And I know that that's not going to be the case for every woman. Um, but I thank God that I was able to forgive him to that degree. But even still knowing you don't go back into this. Wow. You can talk to him. You can forgive. You all can be friends if you want to. But that's it. The boundaries. You draw the line. Talk about where you are now in terms of your self-esteem. Your, your yes you know, um, about to be married. Yes. And so exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. So talk about where you are right now about how you feel about yourself compared to before mm -hmm. you got married, your first marriage. Yes. I am so, so much further along now with my self-esteem than I was then. Um, you know, even before this engagement and, and even before I knew that God was even going to give me another opportunity for marriage, I had just resigned that I was happy with myself. I got to a place where I was happy with who I was. You know, I was just happy about that. And I got to the point where um, it really didn't matter 
what anyone else thought about me because I know me, God knows me. I know my character. God knows what he put inside of me. I know that I'm a, I'm a child of God, you know, minus all the titles, remove the doctor, remove the pastor, remove the minister, remove all that. I'm a child of God. And I know that God loves me and cares for me deeply. And I love myself. And that is so important. You have to love yourself. You have to recognize as the word of God says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. There's no one else like you that God created you in his likeness. And because he created you in his likeness means that he took special care in your, in your, in you being conceived and formed in your mother's womb. He even cares about us so much that he numbered every strand of hair that's on our head. That's care. That's care. That's provision. That's saying that God is with us. He can take care of us, that we don't have to stress and worry. Uh, we don't have to, you know, when you look at yourself as being in Christ and you see yourself as a woman of God, you no longer see yourself as trying to provide for yourself. You're trying to make a life for yourself. You're trying to get an education. You're trying to do all those things. All of that is fine and well, but you have to see yourself as a child of God. You have a heavenly father that you can call out to, and he's going to be there for you. And when you know that, that's enough to boost your self-esteem, to say, hey, he doesn't love the next person any more than he loves me. And Dr. Judy, how I feel about myself, do you feel like that has a influence on the type of friends that I'm drawn toward? Absolutely. Because we often project onto others how we feel, you know, and sometimes you don't have to speak a word just by how you carry yourself, your, your um, disposition, that sometimes people can just read you and, and see whether or not you, your self-esteem is low or up, you know, walking with the head hanging down all the time, looking hopeless and stuff, that says something. Uh, we, our confidence is in God and confidence doesn't mean uh, arrogance. It doesn't mean, you know, this cockiness. It just means that that God is who he is. And because I'm his child and because he sent his son to die for me, then I have the right to walk confidently in him. Okay. And so, yes, definitely how we feel about ourselves can really, we can attract the same kind of pe people, which is not good. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes I'll say this, oftentimes if we're looking to make new friends, we often look for people who are like us and that's not good either because, you know, we don't look for people who can challenge us. Mm. When you have people in your circle of friends that can challenge you, sometimes we look at them as being the enemy, but sometimes God put them in our midst to sharpen us and to get us to where we need to be. That is so true. Now, I, I believe that there's, probably some women listening or people listening right now who are, you know, um, may have, you know, many different roles in the marketplace or in ministry, what have you, they have, you know, mm -hmm. positions, leadership there. And many times when we're serving, mm -hmm. we can, we can fall into being isolated. Yes. Help us to talk, help us, Dr. Judy, because what we need to know how to do is how to break that cycle of being isolated because we're doing, you know, we're serving in so many different areas and branching out and saying, I'm going to make myself available. I'm going to be a friend, mm -hmm. so that, you know, I can draw some more friends into my life. That's right. You know, we have to be careful of that because even ministry and even serving can become our God, our small G-O-D. Even though we look at it as we're doing something that God called us to do, something that's helping other people, but still um, we can do it so much until we, we start to neglect ourselves. And so we have to be careful of really that self-care that we need. Um, if you're ministering all the time, you're serving all the time, you know, it's all fine and well, but what you need to think about is the people that you're serving and ministering to, 
they're not likely the ones that are going to say to you, hey, sis, you really, you deserve a break. Why don't you take a vacation? No, they're going to let you serve as much as you want to serve and minister as much as you want to minister. Why? Because they're receiving something from it. But now after you've emptied yourself out by serving, then what happens to you? Burnout happens. Um, one of the things that happen when you get burnt out is it fosters discouragement. And when discouragement comes, the next thing that happens is that you want to give up. You just want to quit whatever it is you're doing because now you're discouraged. Now you almost become resentful because you say that they used me, you know, uh, in this particular area of serving or whatever the case may be. But the fact of the matter is you have to be able to say no sometimes. You can't always be the person saying, yes, I will, I will, I will. You have to recognize that at some point in time, you have to stop and do something that's going to bring enjoyment to you and where you can fill yourself up. Um, you know, take that break, go to the spa, take a vacation, um, go to a conference, participate in something that you enjoy doing, have some fun. Everything doesn't have to be spiritual. Oh. But everything should be appropriate for the believer and without sin in, in your enjoyment. That's but everything doesn't have to be spiritual. God created this beautiful earth. Um, why did he create? For our enjoyment. Look at when he, he made Adam. He, he put everything there that Adam needed, everything, and then gave him the responsibility to manage to name the animals and all of that. He gave Adam responsibility. And the next thing he did was saw that Adam needed a help mate and, and he created Eve. So God made the earth for us to enjoy. And sometimes we're so busy serving, we're so busy ministering and all of that. Why? Because we feel like that gives us a name. Our identity is all tied up and wrapped up into ministry. Um, that was another thing with me. Many years ago, I used to define myself by the ministries that God had called me to. And it was like, that was my life. And it was almost like if I didn't get to do it, you know, I, I, I like I was going to be depressed or something. Mm. You know, I recognized that, yes, it's a calling that God put on my life. He called me to do it. But it's, it doesn't identify who I am. And here's another thing. If no one else recognizes what God has called you to do, that anointing comes from God, not man. You're still called to do it. You're still anointed to do it. And, but you have to know how to separate yourself sometimes from serving, separate yourself from ministry, separate yourself because you're only going to keep doing it until you become resentful towards those who are benefiting from what you're doing. Dr. Judy, I have to ask you this. Can you yes. think of any biblical character, any person in the Bible that, that suffered from burnout, from ministry burnout? Can you talk about that a little bit? Hmm. That's a good question. And the, though the Bible doesn't talk about this um, directly. But when I think about, I think about the Apostle Paul, he's the mm -hmm. first one coming to my mind. Mm -hmm. Although the Bible doesn't give any indication that he was burnt out or anything like that. Um, humanly speaking, if you think about the load he carried, you know, all of his missionary journeys, all of the preaching that he did, all of the mentoring that he did, um, all of the uh, establishing churches that he did and then going back and visiting those churches and writing letters and all of that stuff. Uh, there had to be some point where he was burned out. I believe he even talked about the Philippian church refreshing him. Yeah. That, word, that word refreshing is used when someone is at a point that their, their energy is just gone. They're low, their energy is gone, their resources are gone, um, everything is at an all-time low, and someone comes along and refreshes them, lifts them up, encourages them, does something for them 
that brings back that joy to their heart. So I believe that the Apostle Paul could definitely be someone who um, experienced burnout in his time of ministry. Uh, the Old Testament prophets, I'm thinking about um, the prophet uh, Elijah and all of, all of what he had done um, ministering for the Lord and getting to the place where he felt like he was the only one um, carrying this load of, of fighting on the Lord's side and all of that, and God having to speak to him and say, look, you're not alone. You're not alone. There, I, I have other prophets. I have a remnant. Mm -hmm. you know, and that's the other thing. When, when you're ministering and serving, you could get to the point where you feel so lonely, and ministry can be a very lonely place. Even though you have people around you, even though you have a spouse that you're doing ministry with, it can get to be a very lonely place. And God has a way of sending that refreshment to you so that you won't dry up and you won't die. Jesus knew how to take time and go away and pray and refresh himself, mm -hmm. you know, from and, and, and stop the ministry that he was doing tell his disciples, look, I don't even want you all to come with me all the way. Just stay here and be watchful and be prayerful, but I'm going on. When he got on the boat, he slept. He needed rest. Your body needs rest. That's a part of burnout. Your body needs to be restored. And again, this all comes under self-care. That is And self-care is not just about, let me put, make this plain self-care mm -hmm. is not just about your physical body it's not just about your spiritual um the spiritual side of you it's also about your mental life can you please explain that Dr. yes um we have to make sure that we're in a good place mentally you know and I know oftentimes when we use the word mental, we think about, you know, we think about individuals uh, that are challenged in that way, the different illnesses, different mental illnesses and such. But for the average person and for the individual, the woman that's serving God and giving of herself, not only is she serving God, but if she's married, the marriage, the home is her first ministry. That's her primary ministry. She's married, she has children, that's her ministry. You can't go out there uh, bringing a word to someone else and you haven't ministered at home. Ministered at home, meaning taking care of the household, making sure your husband is taken care of, doing all of those things. That's ministry at home. And so, you know, we can get to the point where our thought life gets all messed up because we're not resting. We're not having anyone pour into us. We're busy pouring out and giving out of ourselves. And we get to the point sometimes and all the enemy needs is a little opening. Mm. All he needs a, is a door that's cracked a little bit. That if you get to the point that you're serving so much now, you're feeling like you're being used. That discouragement starts to come in. And before you know it, you're not thinking the way you should be thinking. And that has to do with your mental state of mind, you know, and we know that the word of God tells us to think on those things that are good and lovely and of good report and, and all of that. Sometimes we're not there. We can't think that way because we're tired. We're frustrated and everything else. So Dr. Judy, what you've shared with us today is the center of what we're doing, whether, you know, we are, um, women who are married or single or in mm -hmm. ministry or, you know, in the marketplace or doing both. Mm -hmm. It's really our relationship with God in our relationship with ourselves, mm -hmm. which creates that foundation. Mm -hmm. Because once we start slipping away from taking care of ourselves in God, mm -hmm. then that opens the door for all kinds of things to happen. That's right. That's right. Oftentimes in my own life, I do it still even now, I reflect back to when I was 16 years old and how the Lord saved me. And, and oftentimes in my prayer, I will say to God, I will say, Lord, you are the one, you are my God. 
uh, Lord, you are my savior. You're the one that I met at the age of 16. I met you, though you knew me before I was formed in the womb, but I met you at the age of 16. And I'll say to him, you've always been with me. You never left me, even in the most difficult times of my life, you've always been with me. That's going to help to keep you grounded and sound because you realize that you may have great people around you. You may have great friends around you, great family around you. If you're married, you great husband or whatever. But when it's all said and done, it's like if it had not been for the Lord on my side, wow. where would I be? So encouraging. So he is the center. He's the center. Dr. Judy, in, that, in the time that we have left, do you have any words of encouragement or wisdom for those who are listening? Yes. I just want to encourage all of the listeners to um, make sure that you pay attention to what's going on with you. Um, make sure that you don't, you know, if you're feeling a certain way, make sure that you don't just push it to the side and say, oh, it'll go away or whatever the case may be. You may be agitated. You may find that you're getting upset more frequently than you used to. Something is going on with you. Take the time um, for self-care. Take the time to you know, get a break away. If you can get um, even a day off, take a day off from work, go do something for yourself. You know, the weather's getting nice. Go to a beach and read a book that's going to minister to you, that's going to pour into you, whatever the case may be. Practice self-care on a regular basis. Make time for yourself. And remember that you serve a God who loves you just as much as he loves the next person. And it doesn't matter what your walk has been, what your experience has been, God is with you. And as long as you keep him the center, he will remain that way. Can you share with us, um, you, you mentioned earlier that you, you know, you're a published author. Mm -hmm. And can you just tell us like, where we can find your, um, your books and then also yes. anything else that you're working on? Mm -hmm. uh, you have a, a course that you're working on. It may already be, um, already be up and running now. I'm not sure, but can you just talk to us about what, you, what you're working on? Sure. So um, again, my first devotional reset with God is available through amazon.com. You can just go type in reset with God or type in my name, Judy A. Littlejohn. It won't have the doctor there on Amazon. Also mantle anointing. Now let me go back to reset with God. It's, it's very transparent. It's a daily devotional and it includes um, an additional 16 uh, stories everything is transparent. I give you some personal experiences that I've gone through and I have shown you how God has taken that um, to, to make something better for me and how you can walk that very walk. Mantle Anointing, that was just published in uh, March. You can also pick that up on Amazon. That is a book about God-ordained connections. Mm -hmm. God Connections, it's a book about mentoring. It's a book about succession. Um, planning. It's it's a very powerful book. It's probably my favorite of all my books. Um, there's another book, Worship, Worship Becoming What We See. That is also available on Amazon. And that book is about leading a lifestyle of worship, not necessarily about singing. You know, we say we have a time of worship in church. It's not necessarily about that. It's about leading a life of worship and what we need to do in order for that to happen. Um, I have my first romance novel that will I'm hoping to publish this year before I get married. Nice. That one is called The Seventh Spice. Uh, so I'm very excited about that. Mm -hmm. I'm also working on a book with a dear friend of mine and it's going to be written to women in ministry, whether you're a married woman or a single woman. Um, so that's in the works to be published next year. So there's a lot that I'm working on and I believe these books will bless you. Again, you can find them on amazon.com. Now you also, do you um, coach writers or aspiring writers? Can you talk about that? Yes, so I do that. I can, um, in fact, I was just, I just did some ghost writing for uh, a bishop actually. And um, that was, 
that was a great experience. I coach um, writers, if you are a first time author or if you've authored many books, I provide coaching and um, I haven't yet put the courses on my website, but uh, that's coming. But if someone wants one-on-one -on -one coaching, then I can do that as well. And they could contact me directly. Well, Dr. Judy, thank you so much for spending your time with us today. This has been such a rich um, experience uh, speaking with you and so enlightening. Such a great reminder to those of us who are listening um, that we have to take care of ourselves yes. um, in God. And, you know, we have to surround ourselves with nurturing, loving people and enjoy life um, because it is very easy to get caught up in what you're doing mm -hmm. and not just take a time to breathe so that you don't get worn out. So this is so insightful, so necessary right now. And I yes. just want to thank you for sharing your story. And we're so happy for you. We're so excited about your upcoming marriage. Thank you. So wonderful, Dr. Judy. We just pray God's blessing over you. And thank you again for joining us. Thank you for having me. God bless. Dr. Judy reminds us of the importance and impact of relationships. Our relationship with God is what centers us. He is our foundation. He is our creator, and through him, we understand who we are. And once we have an understanding of who we are, we're able to love and accept ourselves. And when that happens, we are able to have healthy relationships with others. Contact Dr. Judy at dr.judybookstudio at gmail.com to find out more information about her one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions. If today's episode was a blessing to you, please subscribe to our podcast and visit our website at www.circle31internationalwomensministry.org. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Thank you for joining us today.